listening to Evidence-Based IHP, the podcast that draws connections from research to practice. I'm Amanda Tarbett. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm the creator and co-host of the show. I'm also the Assistant Director of Library Services at the Janice P. Bellick Library, which is the library at MGH Institute of Health Professions. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Norton. My pronouns are she, her. I'm currently a second year student in the Communication Sciences and Disorders program at the MGH Institute, studying to be a speech language pathologist. I also work as a graduate assistant in the Janice P. Bellick Library, as well as I'm working on research in the Brain Education and Mind Lab. And I am also Amanda's co-host. Hi, everyone. My name is Selena Craig. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm the executive producer of the Evidence-Based IHP podcast, and I'm also the assistant director of digital branding in the Office of Strategic Communications. Welcome, listener, to episode zero, where we explain what this is all about and give you a preview of what you can expect to hear in season one. Over the past several months, we've been interviewing our health professions graduate students about their research projects. Some of these projects were degree requirements. Some of them happened outside of IHP, but now the researcher is one of our students. And some of them happened at IHP, but were not required, which does not surprise me because IHP students are highly motivated. We plan to share one interview with you in each episode. Many of the interviews also sparked some curiosity afterwards. And so some of the episodes will have a bonus discussion at the end. I think that in order to understand our students, you should know a little bit about our school. MGH Institute of Health Professions is a relatively small health sciences graduate school. We have programs in nursing, communication sciences and disorders, physical therapy, occupational therapy, physician assistant studies, genetic counseling, health professions education, and rehabilitation sciences. MGH IHP, as we call it, was founded by Massachusetts General Hospital and is the only degree-granting affiliate of the Mass General Brigham Healthcare System. We are located in Boston, specifically the Charlestown Navy Yard, but because many of our programs are fully online, our students are actually located all over the world. And of course, many of us are working and studying from home at the moment. The Navy Yard is this quiet, tucked away oasis in the city that I don't think many people know about. We're actually right next to the USS Constitution. So a lot of tourists come through, but they don't make it as far as our campus. And it's been a year now since I was there regularly and I have been missing it lately. Oh, have I. It's been, it's such a beautiful campus. And um, I'll just add that for years, I actually walked along the bricks into the office and never actually knew that that was the Freedom Trail. So another wonderful aspect of our campus is just the history in Boston itself. I'd like to start off our discussion today talking about research. So I thought, Rachel, could you tell us what research means to you? So research is not something I ever thought I would really understand or become involved in. Academia in general, really, um, which is obviously not how this story ends because I'm sitting here now working on a research podcast and I'm also working on a thesis project. In undergrad, I studied family science and human development, and I observed some amazing faculty researchers that I thought were genuinely good people, incredibly smart, and most importantly, they were addressing really important issues surrounding social justice and intersections of populations that needed attention. I think this is also when I was recognizing issues within education and healthcare that felt really, really big to me, and I felt very small. And I was seeing people with ideas that were new and innovative, and they were 
being taken very seriously and listened to when they were able to back it up with data or if it was published in a journal article. And it was reaching people across disciplines and across institutions. And I love the critical thinking aspect because I'm someone that really likes to question everything. So as I was applying to graduate school, I knew I was looking for programs where I could continue researching. And that's one of the biggest things that drew me to the IHP. To circle back to my original point, I sort of fell into research and then became really passionate about it. But I certainly don't think that research is completely accessible to everyone across linguistic, racial, ethnic, socioeconomic, educational backgrounds, many other factors. And if I hadn't had the opportunities and the mentors I had in undergrad, I may have never thought this was something I could even do. So I suppose by working with you on this project, Amanda and Selena, I hope to help showcase how cool research is, as well as how cool the people are behind the work. And ultimately that it's a great tool for advocacy and social justice and disseminating really important information, but it needs to be more accessible. So one of our goals here is to do that, break down the research and show our IHP students, faculty, alumni, and prospective students, or those who may not have even heard of us before, what amazing projects are happening here. And hopefully, if they aren't already, encourage them to get involved or address a problem of their own. Well put. You hit on so many of the points and concepts that really have just been part of this podcast from the beginning. So for me, I feel like research is also about growth. And and actually, Rachel, you did talk about this a little bit. So what I mean by that is working on a research project can be a transformative experience. So I myself have been fortunate enough to have that experience multiple times, you know, starting as an undergraduate at a school that valued project-based learning. And now as a librarian working on my own research projects, I always start off thinking, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. And then upon finishing, I'm like, wow, I did that. And what I learned will make me a better librarian. For many years now, uh, I've observed our students having similar experiences where they have done either just a little or no research before, and then they investigate a problem, design a study, and execute it. And they are not the same person when they finished as they were when they started. And I think that the process and the experience of working on a research project builds self-confidence and professional values. I also think it builds curiosity. You're more willing to question the world around you and think critically about things like clinical practice when you know how to and have had the experience of investigating a hypothesis. And once you understand the foundational concepts about study design, you can better understand research literature about fields other than your own. You can expand your personal knowledge base and find connections and commonalities between different fields or professions that you never saw before. And so what comes out of that, I think, is that research also means relationships and community. It takes a village to see a research project through from ideation to completion. Each of our students has a mentor and often a project advisor or a whole advising committee, as well as their peers to support them. There are so many support services at IHP, like the library, that are available and willing to assist researchers. And then there's the broader community of people within and beyond IHP who either do similar research as our students and faculty or who are at least interested in it and what it could mean for their clinical practice. And that, to me, is really powerful. There's so much you can achieve when you're not alone and when you have a whole community to learn from and work with and to teach. 
Amanda and Rachel, it's so amazing to hear your experience with research. Uh, my experience is just so different. Um, my personal connection with research stems from my previous experience working in a lab as a program administrator and grants manager for a T32 training grant um, with pre and postdoctoral students at Boston Medical Center. BMC is a teaching hospital, which is affiliated with Boston University School of Medicine. And the connections that I formed during that time really ignited my curiosity about research and in time, a deeper understanding and respect for the process and the scientists conducting the research. I have so many personal connections and close friendships stemming from this period in my life that when I went to graduate school for communications as a bridge from my undergrad in media production, I became really passionate about working in healthcare communications. I wanted to use my expertise to share these stories and connections through digital media. So in a sense for me, this project is a culmination of past and present, and this is a huge personal accomplishment, one that has spanned many years in the making. You know, I think the three of us have really mind melded the past couple of months because you also just touched on several points that like are very important and critical to me and they feed into like where this podcast actually came from. So let me tell everyone the story of why we wanted to do this podcast and and you'll see what I mean by that. So I actually had been thinking about doing this podcast for a while and by a while, I mean years, (laughs) but the timing was never right. I always had a lot on my plate and could never clear my plate enough to make room for this. And it feels weird to say that conditions were finally right for this when COVID happened, but it's true. For me personally, I had a little more free time on my hands than usual, which translated to what I will call a burst of creative energy. And basically learning how to produce a podcast has become my new pandemic hobby. And I'm not alone in that. And I'm pretty much a cliche at this point, but I don't care. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. But the real catalyst was for finally getting this started was that back at the start of the pandemic, I worked with a number of students whose doctoral and capstone projects were suddenly happening way ahead of schedule because their programs had shifted the timing of everything to cope with the pandemic. I saw firsthand how they really persevered through the uncertainty and adapted to the situation. And I was just so, so impressed with the way they handled the situation and executed these really interesting and rigorous projects. And I felt like, well, if I'm ever going to do this podcast, it needs to be this year because I really wanted something positive to come out of the chaos and the tragedy of the past year. I hope that when people listen to the interviews this season, that they feel hopeful about the future because they will get to know the incredible people who are our future of healthcare. More broadly, I've also always been passionate about science and science communication. Like I was the kid who watched Mr. Wizard and Bill Nye the Science Guy daily after school. A shout out to PBS for nurturing the young minds who would grow up to be scientists. I was a biology major in undergrad and my first like post-college STEM job was working for the nurses health study at Brigham and Women's Hospital which is a very long running epidemiological study. And I think I always took it for granted that people value science and scientists. So you can imagine that 2016 was like a huge wake up call for me as I'm sure it was for many people 
with regards to public perception and outright animosity towards science and women and immigrants and numerous other people and things. But I went to the first March for Science in DC in 2017, and it was awesome. I left with this feeling of, okay, I'm not alone in being concerned about anti-science attitudes, but what do I do now? How will I contribute to changing that? And so this project for me is the culmination of asking myself, how can I, as a librarian, contribute to the accessibility and approachability and ultimately respect of science? So I really love that you said that word, respect, Selena. And I'm not talking adulation or blind devotion to science, but respect for the process and the people. As a librarian, I am so fortunate to get to speak with our students and faculty about their amazing work. The excitement that people have for their research is contagious. The stories of how their projects came to be are fascinating. And I get to hear all of these interesting perspectives on how research happens and how it impacts clinical and or educational practices. Sometimes it's both. The story of a research project to me is so much bigger than the six to eight page article that an academic journal will publish. And the authors on that paper are more than just their credentials or their institutional affiliations. I really want our listeners to, like Rachel said, meet the humans behind the research, to hear their origin stories, the decisions that went into making a research project happen, and the insights that they gained from their research beyond just the outcomes that they measured. What else did they learn working on that project? That is what we set out to do. And I'm excited because I think that's exactly what we did. Um, so that was the vision. Selena, take us back to when I approached you, I think, when was it October? And I was like, hey, Selena, I really want to do this project and I can't do it without you. Tell us <laughs> what you thought. <laughs> Actually, Amanda, I can still vividly remember getting your email and then also having the conversation to collaborate on this project. And I was so excited. Um, we don't always get to fully collaborate with colleagues interdepartmentally. So this was a great opportunity. And honestly, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. It's It's been the perfect project to take on during the pandemic because I really needed to put my energy into something creative and meaningful. And let's face it, I had a lot of additional personal time from being in quarantine at home, and I wanted to use that time effectively. I've always wanted to create a podcast for years, so I was thrilled to be able to be a part of this team. It really has been an amazing experience, and I'm I'm grateful. Stop it. I'm grateful. <laughs> like I could not have done this without the both of you. It's like the dream team for me. So fun story that Rachel is going to be embarrassed for me to tell, but her very first semester of school was when she started working for us at the library. Rachel was already talking about doing her the thesis project. And I thought to myself, well, that's not something you see every day. A CSD student already thinking about their thesis project in the very first semester of their program. I could tell that Rachel also was very passionate about research. Again, the timing was right. All the stars aligned. It was the right people. And yeah, I'm really proud of what we've created and I'm excited to share it with everyone. Thank you so much for telling that story, Amanda. I am also very grateful to be working on this project with both of you. The thesis is definitely something that drew me to the IHP and drew me to, um, and my love for research is something that definitely drew me to working with you in the library. So I'm just really excited and grateful to be here and that this is what has culminated from us all meeting each other. So the last piece of the puzzle that I would like for our listeners to understand is actually the title. 
what I really needed to make this happen for myself. This is internal motivation. This isn't true of all podcasts, but I was like, I need a catchy and iconic title. And I was just, you know, thinking one day and it came to me and I was like evidence-based IHP. That's it. That's the title. Like that helps solidify my vision for this. Rachel, since you are a student currently learning about evidence-based practice, could you tell us about the EBP model? Of course. We talk about evidence-based practice in every class here at the IHP across programs because it really underpins what we do as effective, collaborative, patient-centered healthcare providers. Though I think there may be a misconception. At least I know when I entered this field and heard the term evidence-based practice, I thought solely about the numbers, the data, the evidence, and how as a speech-language pathologist and a healthcare provider, I need to have evidence to back up or justify what I'm doing in my day-to-day practice. And yes, that's a huge part of evidence-based practice. But there's really three main parts that create a cohesive framework for providing patient-centered care. So it's the scientific evidence, the quantitative and the quality of data, along with the clinical experience. As a clinician, what have you seen? What do you know about that population? And last, the patient experience, their personal cultural preferences. What do we need to take into account to meet our patients where they're at? These are the three things that EBP is rooted in. The patient's needs are always at the center, and it's our job to unite the evidence and our experience with their needs and also make sure the evidence we have is being implemented. So yes, we are a research podcast, and we care about that research. We want to highlight all the amazing work that's being done here at the Institute, and as we do that, our guests will explain their backgrounds and what led them to these topics, their experience with the research itself and working with our faculty, other clinicians, as well as their experience with the patients. Absolutely. Uh, No matter which type of health professional you're preparing to become, whether it's speech language pathologist, occupational therapist, nurse, evidence-based practice is the thing that all the health professions have in common. It's the thread that runs through every program and field, regardless of what your scope of practice is. And my hope is that even if we are interviewing a genetic counseling student, a physician assistant studies student will hear something in that interview that they think is good advice for them or will make them curious or that will be valuable for them as well. Interprofessional practice is a huge part of the IHP learning experience and this podcast emulates that and has interprofessional appeal. There is something here for everyone and we tried whenever possible to highlight the ways that research connects to practice. Well, thank you both. I think that this has been a solid introduction to the show. I am excited for everyone to hear the interviews with all of our amazing students. And again, Rachel and Selena, I am so grateful to you both for all of your hard work on this. And thank you, listener, for joining us for episode zero. We hope that this piqued your interest in evidence-based IHP and that you already have, are currently, or are about to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. We will also put links to our website in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about the show or MGH Institute of Health Professions. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at mghihp.edu or find us on social media.